everybody. Welcome to episode eight of Coaster Dads. I'm Chris. And I'm Eric. And this is the only podcast from Dads for Dads. In this episode, we're going to be jumping into the latest news in the world of amusement parks. Eric will be giving us some hot takes on things going down in Florida. Also, Josh is here from Made the Thrill, an online shop that provides cool theme park merchandise. This is the drop. This week in theme park news, Universal Studios announced that they're going to be closing two of their hotels due to low capacity at the parks. This is a major move for them uh, in admitting that things are getting a little hard down there and that the parks are pretty empty. So uh, they're adjusting to some hard times. Also at Universal Studios, uh, a fire broke out at Hagrid's last week, a small fire that was put out um, pretty quickly. However, the ride remains closed at this point. Uh, hoping to reopen this week. In addition to that, surprising many people, SeaWorld has let it leak a little bit that they are looking at buying new properties that are struggling. This is surprising to everyone in the sense that SeaWorld owes a lot of people a lot of money, and the fact that they're still looking to purchase properties shows that they're trying to invest towards the future um, and hopefully come out of this with a lot more properties in hand. Also, one of us has visited a theme park recently, and it's not Eric. So, Chris, tell me a little bit about your trip to Dollywood. Uh, Dollywood was great. Um, I always love getting to Dollywood. I posted something on Twitter, I think, when I was there. I just kind of mentioned um, it's just such a lovely park to visit. Um, it's just really beautiful, and um, it was a really pleasant day when we were there, too. Um, and lightning rod was closed. And Dang it! Lightning rod and lightning and, and lightning rod was closed. And lightning rod was closed. I said lightning uh, run. That's like Kentucky Kingdom. That's okay. I mean, lightning run, lightning rod, very similar. Yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> um, yeah, lightning rod was closed. Um, I don't know specifically why. Um, so I've been to Dollywood three times since lightning rod was constructed. And Lightning Rod has been closed two of the three trips. So I think it's a perpetually... It's a maintenance nightmare. It's a maintenance nightmare, yeah. yeah. Like, is what it comes back to. I mean, I guess a launching wood coaster, what do you expect? Um, the rumor was that it got struck by a storm again, because I know last time it literally got struck by lightning and went down. So the rumor is that that happened again. I don't know how true that is. But uh, besides that, the park was great. Um, I was there with my family, so... Obviously, we're looking a lot more towards like family attractions, different things like that. Um, got to ride a ton of like Dollywood one in a like, couple of years in a row, best kids area in the world. Um, I think it, they had an amazing collection of kids rides, so it was really cool to get to do that. A little intense for your daughter, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you got an inverting kids coaster? Well, you got an inverting we, family we, coaster? Well, we didn't, we didn't even get to get that far. Oh, um, gosh. Um, so we hopped on Fire Chaser Express, which is like a family coaster. It's like a 39-inch like uh, height requirement. So my daughter's leg is broken, too. So I like carried her onto this ride. We sat her down. We got And we hopped right through the exit because we got through the exits all day because of, of her. And um, I think mentally she wasn't prepared for what was about to happen because we launched out of the station, and I think she was shocked about like what had just occurred. Um, but... Fire Chaser was super fun. The only, the real thing that set her over the edge, though, about halfway through the ride, her mask flew off. 
Oh, that'll get you. Yeah, and she loves this like little flower mask. Um, and she was like in tears. Um, by the time we got to like the section where there's fireworks and you launch backwards, um, so yeah, probably a little too intense. She kept saying that the the coaster was um pulling on her. Um, which of course was her describing us going through turns really fast and like G forces, but. Um, but it was really fun nonetheless. Uh, I got a couple rides on Thunderhead and one ride on Wild Eagle. That was kind of like my big coasters for the day. Um, and Thunderhead is still so good. I love Thunderhead. It's so fun. That was like the original coaster I remember being attracted to at Dollywood, and it still rides so good like 20 years or so later. Um, and then Wild Eagle is fun. But it's like it's like any wing coaster. I'm always like, I get off of them. I'm like, that's fun, but I don't necessarily like have to do it again. So... Um, but, uh, it was really cool. I ran into a bunch of people. Um, I had my B shirt on that day. We ended I ended up running into a bunch of people talking about Kings Island and stuff. And so it was fun to talk about Orion and stuff with some folks. And, um, so, but it was a great trip. I love Dollywood. I recommend it to anybody. I think it is one of my favorite parks in America. So go if you haven't, it's awesome. And hope that lightning rod is open. I love how you said that was the first Thunderhead was the first coaster I was attracted to. That like made me think about like my first crush in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. being like, okay, this is I know what it's like to be attracted to someone. <laughs> yeah, that's is that like, how you feel when you got off of Thunderhead the yeah. first time. You're like, I know what attraction feels like. Yeah, I I remember being was a little blushed. Uh, yeah, I remember being a okay. little blushed. Different, like, different sensations. Yeah, um, but you know, like, like. I, I didn't want to get off, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So. I feel the same way about Bethany Bella in kindergarten. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, uh, that sounds awesome, man. Can't wait to take my three-year-old, oh. four-year-old on next, too. What did yeah, you say? I was going to say, too, uh, you know, one, I'm always on the lookout. We, we, me and Eric are always on the lookout on, like, merchandise, I feel like, in the parks that, like, we think are, like ridiculous and so i was getting off wild eagle and they've had this this merchandise line running since i can remember but like (laughs) there's a shirt that says are you chicken or are you eagle (laughs) nice (laughs) and like i like it's like it flips like you know like it's like like one wh- side are you chicken or what do you mean like it's like holographic no no oh. like it's like <laughs> the front says are you chicken you flip on the back and then it's like or are you eagle oh, and then God. it's like you know the wild eagle logo <laughs> but i just um i've seen that a few times and i'm always like dude i would never i cannot imagine myself wearing that shirt like yeah uh, <laughs> so yeah it was it was a fun trip so after seeing that chicken shirt at Dollywood, I thought it'd be fun to give some hot takes on some of the worst merchandise we've provided. So without further ado, here's our hot takes. Hot takes. Get your hot takes. Eric, what's the worst piece of merchandise you've purchased in a park that you can remember? Or maybe has been purchased for you? Yeah, totally. This is going to be a little bit of a hot take, but um, the worst thing that I've ever purchased at an amusement park was 100% the Harry Potter wand at Universal Orlando, mm-hmm. um, Wizarding World of Harry Potter. It was for my wife. It was $40. Was it the interactive ones or the oh, non-interactive? Yeah. Oh, you got the interactive ones. Nice. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> I've played Magic Quest 
at Great Wolf Lodge. Wizard Quest? Magic Quest? Magic Quest. Almost. Magic Quest, I think. I think it's come standard in most Great Wolf Lodge yeah. I across yeah. the country. Yeah. And I can't tell you. It, I can't tell you that the wand is much better than Magic Quest. Is it plastic like Magic Quest? Or? You know, I think it might be a little bit of a stronger build. But mm-hmm. the whole thing, like, <laughs> we had to wait in line. They had to, like, tell Savannah which wand was great for her. And then she mm-hmm. just, like, waved it at a couple things that, like, she had to stand in line for because, mm-hmm. like, other people were waving their mm-hmm. wands at it. Yeah, yeah. But it basically just, like, it would, like, move. Something yeah. would just, like, move. And then we, like, wa- went home with it, and I couldn't tell you where the wand is now. I, d- I couldn't tell you if it's, like, in the trash can it it basically was like i don't know you know those like wristbands that you get that you can wave in front of like a gate and the gate opens because like it, there's like some sort of magnetic strip wasn't any cooler than that and those are free and like <laughs> a, it was um pretty uh it was a letdown you know yeah yeah what about you um so I think the most distinct one I can remember is I purchased, I think right after, this was early days of Top Thrill Dragster. So I was probably like 14, 13, somewhere around there. I bought a shirt from Cedar Point for Top Thrill Dragster because I was like That's sick. pretty amped about you know Top sick. Thrill. And um, there's a lot of flames on it. I remember that. Like just you know drag racing flames type of thing and then it had all the stats listed you know for you were you rocking a 420 shirt oh as 420, a kid 420 sick, 120 miles an hour yeah, like, 120 you know. 420 yeah so um yeah that i definitely had that and i i wore it like super proudly to like middle school That's slash sick. early high school probably on the back did it just have the lyrics baby i'm ready to go <laughs> I, I wish. I love that. I actually, you know what's funny is like, I remember the first time I heard that at Top Throw, I was like, oh, this is such a, like, a cool, like, song to pick. And but you, also, it's a long song, isn't it? Well, and it just keeps playing over <laughs> and over. It's insane, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, just wow, like, it like feels the like they just song. like, I don't know if they play the whole song. I feel like they play like a 30 second loop, right? Yeah, like, it's got to be like. But anyway, it's probably what hell's like. But yeah, I'm, I always think like for the employees there, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they have to listen to this track like all the time. And I mean, my days of running an Italian job, we had this one guy. It was a maintenance guy, actually, that had done a voiceover. And he, he would come on and he'd be like, OK, writers, get ready to rock. And like, you know, like I had that speech memorized, though. Oh so, my but it was just Bob from Maintenance that had recorded it. So it was like... Bob from Maintenance is a hero. Yeah, he is a hero. So, um, But anyway, it was great. Um, I, remember my, I remember my first Italian job. Ooh. Wait, what? <laughs> oh. You're talking about the sandwich? <laughs> yeah. Totally. The, the Italian sandwich? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would say as I was dispatching riders. Yeah. I'd be like... Raise your hand if this is your first Italian job. <laughs> They're like, what? Just like, see ya. <laughs> uh, I th- yeah. So it's... Um, well, thank goodness we have a hero with us tonight. Not all heroes wear capes. You know what I mean? And true. no more do I see that than in our next guest, Josh from Made to Thrill. Um, we're going to talk about what he does mm-hmm. um, in an all-exclusive Coaster Dads interview with the guy behind 
the most luxurious and trendy roller coaster t-shirts you've ever seen. Or posters. Or prints. Yeah, he does a lot of stuff. He does it all. So without further ado, let's welcome Josh to the show. Josh, welcome to Coaster Dads. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So for those that aren't familiar, uh, Made the Thrill is an online uh, store uh, marketplace, and they've also collaborated with some parks on doing some posters, um, some merchandise. But Josh is creating really, really unique looking merchandise within the theme park space. And as you all know, we've talked about theme park merch a lot on the show. So I really thought it'd be great to have Josh on the show. So Josh, just kind of give us an overview of, of what Made the Thrill is, um, kind of your inspiration for it, and why why it's something you're passionate about. For sure. So I've sort of been describing Made the Thrill as a, a lifestyle brand for people who love theme parks. And it's a, um, a brand that is uh, very subtle in its, in its nod to theme park attractions and roller coasters, but yet the people who know what it is no, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, if you know, then you know, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what makes it a little bit cool, I guess. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoy wearing my, uh, my theme park merchandise mm-hmm. that I get for parks on the, you know, to work or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, people are like making comments like, Oh, you know, you like dueling dragons or you like this, <laughs> <laughs> this park. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm wearing the shirt. Obviously yeah. I like it. It's yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I'm more like the, the shirts that are a little bit more subtle, I, I suppose, mm-hmm. that uh, people are uh, sort of digressing here. But uh, yeah. people, people look at the, the T-shirts and have to decipher what, what it is that, um, that it is. And then when they figure it out, they're like, oh, my God, that's really cool. So yeah. Um, the the brand I, I sort of took a a long route to describe that, but the brand is is just a a theme park inspired collection of lifestyle goods, and it's art, it's apparel, it's collectibles, and everything is in that uh, sort of subtle vein of of theme park uh, lifestyle. And my initial inspiration was pretty much just being fed up with what I've been finding in, in gift shops. And, um, it, it wasn't what I wanted. Um, sometimes there'd be like a special release of like a limited edition Epcot shirt or something that came out in the 25th anniversary. And it's always like hard to get. And I want that one shirt. And, and then they just stop making that. They go back to making shirts that appease the, uh, the general audience. And, um, I'm like, well, you know, I guess, it, you know, design and visual stuff is sort of what I do for a living anyway. I figured why not just make it myself? So I took that idea and started making designs that I felt, uh, inspired by, or that I felt passionate about or connected to, um, in some way or another. And, uh, everything that I've made on made to thrill actually just reminds me of the things i i like about theme parks which is really going to uh parks with people that i care about and the memories that i have that are attached to that so that's why a lot of um 
what I kind of base my designs around is this retro futuristic um, uh, design aesthetic, which comes from the 80s and early 90s Epcot. And that's when I started going to theme parks with my family. And uh, a lot of the designs sort of have an individual personal story behind them that I don't really share on the website, obviously, because who cares? But to me, it's like a connection for me. Um, And it's cool that other people connect to it that way, too. Yeah. Yeah, I immediately, when I discovered... Uh, your stuff, I immediately like was like, oh my gosh, this is like 80s, 90s Epcot. I was like, the, <laughs> the original, you know, pavilion logos and that kind of like feel. Because when I look back at those pavilion logos, I'm always like, man, there's something so special about what they did design wise back then. Like, it was just like, it's just so unique compared to like a lot of what the design is now in parks, you know, and yeah, so as soon as I saw your stuff, I, I like connected with that immediately. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like that kind of like simplistic, you know, um, shapes and different things. It's just like beautiful. So it's really awesome. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was, you know, there's something inspiring about that, the artwork from that time, at least to me. And maybe it has to do again with like the nostalgia I've, had from going to the parks with my family um and it all stems from that one park for me um, because even though you know i grew up going to uh to great america in chicago or outside of chicago and uh that park is also very special to me and for different reasons but i couldn't have told you like what their design aesthetic is yeah (laughs) yeah it's all just kind of like a mishmash of things but uh i i have great memories from there too so um yeah it's it's just a really interesting uh period in design for me so how what got you into design originally like what's your kind of your backstory your relationship with design oh well i went to uh to college for film production film post-production and motion graphic design and uh I, since then, I started working in in the industry, I guess, and in the film industry, and then transitioned to the uh, interactive design and web design and application design. Um, So that's kind of where I've been at for the past, uh, I don't know, 10 years or so at various companies. And the last couple of years, I've been doing a service design for like a automotive industry and uh like uh design that you'd see on your dashboard and stuff like that yeah so um it's it's always something that i I mean i enjoy doing that but uh i'm doing it on the um i guess you could say the corporate side so i'm an in-house designer at at these companies and there's a lot of politics that come along with that and uh, you know, you kind of walk the line of doing <laughs> what's uh, enjoyable to you and then what's pleasing to others. So I started doing my own designs, which turned into Made to Thrill as a uh, sort of an outlet, just a creative outlet where I could just do what I want and then make things. And it's sort of cool. And, and always working in the the digital space, 
being able to produce a, a, a product, a design that you made, like an artifact and, and hold it in your hand is like very different for me. So it was a very visceral feeling of like translating what I did in the digital space into a physical product. Yeah. I would imagine that's so that's so crazy to kind of go from digital products, you know, exclusively digital products to then being able to actually hold a poster that you've designed. Yeah. Like that, that is a, it's a super cool feeling. And that's like the primary, uh, the, the most fun I have is just the journey of creating the design and then the output of it. And that's like, that's enough for me. Like I'm satisfied. And the fact that people uh, buy it is, is super <laughs> validating to me. But uh, that's really just a way for me to keep continue, continually funding like the next project. Mm-hmm. So I call it like a, a sustainable hobby, really. Yeah. I don't take money from it. I just put it into the next project, you know, yeah. so I get to yeah. keep making stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you felt like there's like a very, an audience that really resonates with everything you're doing? Um, <laughs> I mean, I it's a, it's a tough question because I'd say... People often share like photos of the posters that they get from me in their house. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) what did I do to like earn a spot on your wall? Um, And it's super, it's a super cool feeling. And it's not something I ever expected to happen for me, just designing something that, that I really wanted for my own wall. (laughs) That was the reason I made it. It seems like they're over the course of like, um, you know, the five years or so that I've been doing this, I see a lot of repeat customers i guess they continually buy stuff that i put out and uh I, they become fans and i appreciate it very much obviously um it's just like it's not what i expected to happen um, as a result of this and um it's super cool and you know kind of the partnership that uh i developed with holiday world when they reached out to me because they I don't know, they found me somehow and they bought some of my posters and then all of a sudden they're like, can you do some of this for our park? I'm like, sure, (laughs) you know, why not? The designs have resonated with them and I I didn't know if it would or it wouldn't. Um, I just kind of made, like I have a, you know, like I said, kind of a weird obsession with retro futurism and then I figured, well, you know, I'm going to make this thing that looks kind of like Spaceship Earth and put some cool colors behind it. People are like, yeah, this is this is exactly what I wanted. Or I'm gonna make a uh, yellow strap keychain and write "pull yellow strap" on it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And people are like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know exactly. I mean, I just I make things for um, kind of myself. I'm the target audience, I guess. And, and if someone wants it, cool. If not, uh. That's okay too. I think that's kind of, or the reason that I've told myself that uh, theme parks have the merchandise they do because they cater to the masses. There's no, there's no like niche audience of people who like a specific subset of design. It's just like, who can we sell the most of this to? You know, a lot of like, uh, like you said, the the claws ripping fabric with uh, coaster stats behind it is like most people will buy that. 
which is crazy because I I think I yeah for me that doesn't resonate with me <laughs> I'm always like I just want like something that feels like I could wear it every day versus like you know something that is very specific to the parks because like I feel like that's a shirt you would wear obviously in the parks when you have a ton of stats on it not necessarily something I would wear to work every day you know right, um, right. <laughs> and so yeah I think that's kind of what is really neat about your brand and what you've kind of executed is it does feel like something what you described as a lifestyle I think that's a great you know description of what it's become because it's like very much a lifestyle brand which is really neat I wanted to talk about so I notice um, the travel posters on the website and how many you've kind of done. I I was curious, have you been on all those coasters that you've done? <laughs> it's a great question. I I have not. Okay. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, a lot of the the posters that I make as part of like that travel poster series um, started as like a core set of coasters that were meaningful to me at one point or another. Um, one of those being uh, the Magnum XL 200, which you know, I, I have been on. Um, another one that I have not been on that I was one of the early posters in that set was the Big Bad Wolf. Yeah. Um, that I never got the chance to go on. And um, and I'm very disappointed about it because I've I have a VHS tape that I grew up on of a recording of a TV show called Nova, which had a special about roller coasters. And it, it went into great depth of Ron Toomer designing the drop oh and fire and, and how it all played out and everything. But it also, as a precursor to that, showed Loch Ness Monster and the Big Bad Wolf. And to see like how this suspended coaster like Kareen through this small German village and the coasters were like swinging and everything. And, um, it was like, it was extremely fascinating to me to the point where like I wore out the VHS tape a little bit, Oh my gosh. but, um, my, my brother and I, it was something that, uh, we both bonded over just kind of repeatedly seeing this big bad wolf ride. And we both knew like, Oh, this is one of my, my dream rides. I would love to go on it. But, Fortunately, never got the chance to, but that was kind of the motivation for uh, creating the Big Bad Wolf poster. But after that, as the collection kind of started to grow, you know, I'd get um, requests from people to design a specific coaster. And I'd, uh, I'd also just try to challenge myself to see like, oh, what coaster would be fun to illustrate? And what is cool thematic elements that I could kind of create a very abstract piece on, but people would still be able to connect to that specific ride. So it's kind of a gamut of things that make up that collection. That's awesome. Yeah. I look, you got, um, I love the, the subtlety to nods to like kind of their design aesthetics. Cause it reminds me a little bit. There's an artist I really love, uh, Ollie Moss. Are you familiar with his? Oh work? yeah. 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 I tried to get some star Wars posters that he released a long time ago, probably. In 2011. Yeah, it's like the hardest to get his stuff. Like, nearly impossible, I feel like. And he closed up his shop, so he doesn't really even, like, really sell stuff anymore. So it's even harder to get a hold of stuff. But, yeah, yeah, his, like, he kind of does that, too, where it's, like, kind of, like, everything sort of has a story in it. But it's, like, very, like, there's depth to everything, you know, that he's doing. Um, 
and yeah so i i like think that's awesome it's it's funny you reference big bag wolf i if i could put a coaster on a pedestal of the ride that i wish i would have rode before it got taken out big bad wolf is like at the top of the list like it's yeah. one of those rides i don't know why i think it's that drop down over the river that just always like i was like man that looks incredible like that whole experience so yeah um, yeah it's super cool like and i think that's one of the coasters that um was removed and scrapped and the coaster that replaced it doesn't like live up to its predecessor not that i'm one to talk because i'm just sort of giving an armchair feedback i haven't been on either one of them but in my opinion of just observing it as an outsider i don't think it it's quite the same no i i've actually i've been on verbolton i have not i never got a chance to ride uh big bad wolf but uh verbolton was fun it was a fun ride i just can't imagine I just feel like the suspended element of Big Bad Wolf would have been so fun on that drop because obviously they very much tried to emulate that drop as much as possible with Verbolton. Um, but I just like there's no way you're going to get the experience that you got sitting on top of the track versus underneath of it. Um, that park in general, though, I always tell people might be one of my favorite parks on the planet. It's just such a gorgeous park. Um, I noticed there's a lot of affinity for Disney. Um, what about like Disney? It seems like there's like a little bit of legacy there because uh, I saw, you know, Space Mountain reference. I saw the Tron uh, coaster, which I think that stuff is so cool. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like one of those rides. I'm like, man, I really wish I could get on that, which I know we're going to have one in the U.S. soon. But um, yep. it, yeah, it's just like what's what's kind of the background with Disney? I know you mentioned Epcot. Like, was that just a place you visited a lot as a kid and then just kind of you inspired you a little bit to continue designing stuff around that yeah i mean it's it all comes back to you know we go to theme parks and enjoy the company that we go there with and um as much as i think we love roller coasters it's just it's more so about um you know the people going to the parks with the people we care about and and that's what uh Disney is to me is it, it's all just about uh, family really. So I we didn't I didn't get to go that often growing up, but um, I've certainly made up for it as an adult, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as a kid, I can remember going a couple times, and uh, it was it was pretty special. So just being able to create these kind of weird retro futuristic designs that somehow skate around a copyright in front yeah, of Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, that That's what uh, kind of, that's why there's a lot of Disney-inspired stuff in there, is just because that's that's where my, you know, so-called happy place is, I guess. I think it's it's fun. It's taken on a new life. I, I have two young kids now, so um, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and we're, we're doing our first not full on Disney, but we're going to spend a day at Disney um, this fall. And um, I feel like it's, it's taking Disney's almost taken on a new life to me um, now that I have kids. Cause it's like, it's made it more special because it was special before, but it's almost like, it's kind of crazy to experience those things almost for the first time again with them. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and like, we've like talked about it and like, 
my daughter's like, you mean I'm actually going to get to go like to the tiki room where they sing the tiki room song? <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, you'll get to see the birds sing. <laughs> like, you know, so um, I like, yeah, it's, it's really, there's something really special about the culture that they've created there. And for the longest time I was like, oh, it's just kind of like this, I feel like it can be seen as kind of cliche, but then you're like, Oh wow. There's actually is something really special about the Disney culture and the thoughtfulness they put into everything design wise. Cause yeah, it's just like, it's memorable, you know, everything they do. Um, Yeah. It's like the ultimate in, um, I mean, for me, I'm, you know, like I said before, I'm in like this design service design or user experience, we call it also. And, um, Disney is uh, is really like a, an ultimate example for like crafting these user experiences that you physically get to experience. And it's it starts kind of the moment you get off the I mean, for me, I fly in out to the airport, obviously, from Chicago, but um, we we get in and it just starts like in that magical express. And even just the name is like you're being transported to a different place that is like seems like it's in another world almost and you're just so out of touch with reality that it's it's um not as an adult for me it's it's more like escapism and i get to go back to this nostalgia that was created for me as a kid and um you just go in like this this super designed like alternate reality almost and uh, that's just um that's super cool to me just to be able to experience that and i i think that's what other people appreciate too but um i guess the allure of it is that there's something in it for everyone if if you don't appreciate design maybe you really like food or maybe you like rides or just hanging out meeting characters and seeing the princesses or stuff like that it is really cool. It's it is kind of crazy. I feel like there is there's people that go to Disney just for the shows, which is kind of like it just like that idea of all these multifaceted entertainment levels cuz like the characters weren't really something that I went and checked out as an adult, um but now I know it's going to be on the forefront of our mind when we go. You know like <laughs> it's like so it's just kind of a crazy to see how they cater to so many specific generations and they're able to tap into that. Um, Just like being able to transcend um, sort of all of those different age groups and even get people to, um, to do things they wouldn't normally feel comfortable doing. Like I I know you said you, you don't really, you aren't into the character meets that much, but I can recall uh, a couple of years ago when Disney still had star Wars weekends at Hollywood studios and, um, I mean, I'm a huge Star Wars fan anyway, so I would wait in line to, to meet the characters. But the friends I was with started to actually get um, autographs like from characters like, hey, Chewbacca, can you sign my book? And, yeah. Uh-huh. And they're like, yeah, that's pretty fun. You know, yeah. I'm like, all right, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. They just took that one thing that you love. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah really. exactly. So, yeah. so I'm into it now. Yeah. That's awesome. Have you been on Rise of the Resistance yet? I have. And oh my gosh. <laughs> it, I almost cried. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I I want to go so so bad. I I we had to pick one park and 
I wanted to pick that park, but I was like, it's like for what I know we need. I'm like, it's like a no brainer. Magic Kingdom's like the one to, you know, go. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, I rise of resistance just looks incredible. Like everything I thought it could be like, it just seems like it delivers on every level. Um, yeah, it's just awesome. It's amazing. I, I mean, I have chills just on my arm right now, just <laughs> thinking about my first experience on it. And it was uh, definitely worth it. I mean, I think we got up, we went on it in like early December, I think, and we got up at 4 a.m. to take the an Uber over to the park and stand in line and uh, got in. It was It was a great experience. It was totally worth it. So I would gladly do that over any time. Yeah, that's awesome. How's uh how's uh Smuggler Run? Is it good too? I haven't like is it pretty fun? It it is it's great, I'd say. So the theming of it fantastic. The queue amazing. The ride experience is lives up to my expectations, which wasn't incredibly high for what it could be for piloting the Millennium Falcon, but um it's definitely like a, a a supporting attraction in the land. Um, and when Star Wars Land or Batu or Galaxy's Edge opened up first without Rise of the Resistance and and uh, Smug- Smuggler's Run was sort of, you know, that main e-ticket or just the attraction, um, I could see people being disappointed with it if that was the only attraction there. Yeah, it was interesting. I feel like when it first opened, I I remember watching a lot of videos and I was like, honestly, if so, if you're not so say you're not a Star Wars fan and you're going here for my, primarily attractions, because like I know the land would be incredible if you're a Star Wars fan. But if you're not a Star Wars fan, I feel like it, it would be like, oh, walk in and be like, this is amazing looking, but I don't have an emotional connection to the, you know, the actual. Right. right. You know, um i'm just here for the rides you know like and i remember thinking i was like this is like a it feels like a it's still a really great attraction but it definitely doesn't feel like the like the one that's going to change everything you know i was surprised that they didn't wait to open with both attractions at some level um it would have helped i think the uh kind of the reviews of it initially to me i i sort of equate it to uh, when Pandora opened, they they had Flight of Passage and they had the Navi River Journey, and and to me that's just like Galaxy's Edge is Flight of Passage is Rise of the Resistance and and Smuggler's Run being like the River Journey. It's kind of the secondary attraction in the land. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great that you got to that you've gotten to be on it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I want to talk a little bit too about um. I noticed a few like nods to Universal Studios. Um, I noticed the nod to Dueling Dragons, which Dueling Dragons might be as Dueling Dragons. It might be my like number one most missed attraction. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it's like I I just loved I love the theming elements of Dueling Dragons when it was Dueling Dragons. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. That queue of Dueling Dragons, I mean, however many miles long it was. Yeah, <laughs> 14 that, at least. That great. queue was one of the most spectacularly themed queues I had ever seen. Yeah, it was so, so good. And it like, I, 
yeah, everything about that. Like, I remember kind of because Dueling Dragons, I feel like we went when I was a kid, we went, I think we went in 2000. So, you know, the park was like a year old. Um, and I feel like Dueling Dragons was like advertised, but, you know, the selling point was definitely Hulk and Spider Man. Like, those were like yeah. the two that they just pushed like crazy. Um, yeah. And I remember kind of almost like stumbling upon Dueling Dragons and just being like terrified as a kid, you know, because I'm like walking through this queue that's kind of terrifying, but like also just <laughs> so fascinated, you know, with like yeah. everything that was in that queue. Um, and I think and I love Harry Potter to death, but it just like that ride. I'm kind of almost glad that they've replaced it since, which which something that now looks like it's kind of on par with i think where dueling dragons was because it definitely felt like they just kind of put a new coat of paint on it and it just wasn't the same you know like yeah, i um, agree i love that patch that you made and like the little subtle logo to dueling dragons um i just didn't know if there was like any personal connection to universal parks at all too oh yeah um i'd say it's it's not as strong for me as uh disney although we did go to universal as far as i could remember once as a as a kid growing up with the rest of my family and i remember we waited in line for back to the future the ride and it was it was like a four-hour wait oh my gosh um, yeah. yeah but i also remember it being the the coolest ride i had ever been on <laughs> like i was terrified of it and when i got off i was like that was the the best thing i had ever been <laughs> that's awesome um, but that was well before like Islands of Adventure ever existed. And um, mostly my connection to Universal was Back to the Future, which which I love. You know, I, I still love it to this day. Um, but most of the other rides at the time, I was completely terrified of. So when my family went on E.T. and King Kong and Earthquake, I just yeah. I just stayed in the exit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's funny. I feel like the early days of Universal, you look back at all the attractions and all of them were like disaster. Just like took place around disasters. <laughs> yes, you know, like true. it's like it's like Earthquake, Kong, Jaws. <laughs> like, you know, like it's just like, man, yeah. everything is this like life or death situation. Um, yeah, it's just kind of crazy. But um, yeah, that's really fun. I think uh I, I got to ride Back to the Future once before. It's kind of crazy. I guess it's been closed quite a while now. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I got to ride it once before it closed. And I think it's, far, I thought it was a far superior ride to what, you know, The Simpsons ended up being. But um, just like, it was a really fun ride, you know, especially as a kid that wa like grew up watching, you know, Marty McFly and, and just kind of getting to experience that. It was like a really fun attraction. Oh, so, yeah. Getting in that DeLorean, going yeah. through, going through the time machine. Yeah. Then, so the the one other thing I wanted to see is just like, uh, what are some of your personal favorite rides? Like, what are some of the rides you obviously feature like a ton of rides on the website as far as things that you've like made subtle nods to with your design work. But what are some of the attractions that you would put up on your list? Um, both like. I mean, they can be coasters. They can be not be coasters. What What would you say are some of your? I mean, I know Rise of the Resistance Resistance is already way up on that list. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's all the way up there. But 
I suppose there's like um, my favorite rides um, uh, because of nostalgia and then like, you know, my favorite rides that are actually fun rides. So <laughs> my first ride that I ever went on that was like a, a looping coaster was uh, called the Demon at uh, Six Flags Great America. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the rides I still kind of have a soft spot for, even though it's like I get a terrible headache every time I go yeah. on it. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, the old arrow loopers are pretty unforgiving. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but I also appreciate that aspect of it. Like this is what coasters were like when I was a kid. You know, we didn't have these insane RMC coasters doing like the most crazy elements and outward bank turns. Like I never would have thought that that was coming. Um, but so so I appreciate like the old arrow loopers in general. Um, even Viper at uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain, which uh, is a clone of a ride we had at Great America called Shockwave, which has since long been scrapped. Um, so I like basically any arrow looper for that reason. But uh, one of my favorite coasters, I think, is uh, Cheetah Hunt at Busch Gardens. Oh, ah, yeah. Which is just an all-around fun ride, I think. The the theming is great. The the story of it is great, even though they don't specifically tell you a story in the queue. You just kind of assume, all right, I'm becoming a cheetah, and this is what it's like to be a cheetah. There's a lot of fast dashes and then graceful transitions and slow pauses. So I think the the narrative the coaster tells is actually pretty strong. So there's multiple reasons I like that, but I just mostly like zooming around really low on the water. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of my favorite part about it. But uh, then I also have uh, favorites like, uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, Hulk is pretty fun and uh, Millennium Force, uh, you know, everything at Cedar Point. I really like the Beast at King's Island. Um those uh, actually mystic timbers at king's island was one that man uh climbed up the yeah, yeah yeah uh we were there last summer i think we just drove out and uh we stopped by the park and um we uh went on mystic timbers at night and i'm like this is a totally different ride than i remember so i'm like i really i enjoyed this and that was fun uh, one other one that surprised me was a ride called a uh, Renegade at um, Valley Fair. Yeah, very um, good things. Yep. Yeah, I but totally low expectations for it, and it was just an insane ride from start mm-hmm. to finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny. GCI almost has like they kind of have a format almost like on how they do stuff. Not like I'm not saying they lift designs or anything, but like what they do they do so well which is just kind of this like wild but somehow incredibly smooth experience on a wood coaster you know like yeah yeah um that still like maintains the wildness of like a wood coaster but they just like uh thunderhead like it kind of is similar at dollar oh yeah yeah kind of has that wildness to it but it's still like you don't like hurt when you're getting off of it, which I'm always like kind of appreciative of. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, um, so yeah, like I don't I, feel sick. My yeah. day's not ruined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah mystic uh mystic timbers is like i'm I'm right down the road from mystic timbers and um i remember when they announced it i was kind of like i i remember it being like why because the beast is right down the midway yeah yeah like um but man it is it's been such a good addition to the park like i i love it it's like it's kind of there's such different rides and yet they sort of subtly reference each other at the same time which i think is so cool um yeah it's really well done yeah and thematically they did like an awesome job on that ride it's like a regional park yeah Yeah. it's just like i think king's island in in general does like a i was pretty surprised at how well a lot of those rides were themed yeah they in orion uh they really surprised me this year walking back there the first time they like put a lot of thought into the, all the theming that they put around it. Like, and and granted, I never expect them to go, you know, universal or Disney level. Like that's just not really, you know, the, the audience they're trying to cater to, but like, but they have like an entire room. That's basically like pre-show room. And I was like, this is kind of crazy for Kings on to be putting this in. Like they haven't really done this since Paramount, you know, it was like owning the parks to try to move the needle. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for coming on the show. Is there anything else you'd like a shout out or like anything that you would want to say about made to throw brand and, and what you have coming up? Well, it's all kind of, uh, I, I just fly by the seat of my pants really with, with anything that I create, I just get an idea and then I'm like, Oh, I should make that. And then, and then I do. And eventually I, I post about it. I don't do a very good job, like <laughs> keeping a, uh, <laughs> A, a marketing presence on Instagram or Twitter, um, at least not as, as good of a job as people tell me I should do. But again, it's, it's really just a hobby for me and I don't want it to become like a, uh, like a business, yeah. you know, um, even though I physically have to incorporate like a business, but, um, I just never want it to become that, but I do have a, um, a couple of collections coming out, uh, when, when they'll release, I'm not, entirely sure yet but one of them is uh gonna be a a hall of fame collection which is gonna be like the travel poster series and that i progressively uh add to it um just kind of perpetually Uh and all all the uh, hall of fame collection is gonna be is gonna be um uh felt uh banners um, made um, manufactured by a company called oxford pennant and um they they uh, screen print and hand sew and cut and sew like all these banners by by hand pretty much and and they look um, amazing. So awesome. I just wanted to do a collection that was completely centered around that in mm-hmm. um, making this like vintage style collegiate banner for uh, rides and attractions that have since been defunct. Yeah, so that's awesome. Um, I will uh, <laughs> tease it a little bit. Dueling Dragons is a part of the first release. Nice, that's awesome. So, yeah, it, it'll. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, just because I thought it, it looked pretty cool on the the screen when I designed it. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'd hang this up. So yeah, I think uh, any fan of the coaster may may appreciate it. Hopefully, I did it justice. That's awesome. That's yeah, great. but other than that, there's uh, probably stuff to. Uh, <laughs> to be excited about uh, i won't give everything away but you can just uh sign up for the email list and and i'll send something out when when it's ready 
there's a great subscription list that you can sign up on made to thrill um i signed up the other day because i was like oh my gosh i didn't even know this was a thing this is awesome um and you basically get all the latest releases and news i think through that so yeah yeah i mean i i tried to be pretty regular with posting on instagram and twitter but i'm the reality is i'm not (laughs) (laughs) so I actually, you know what I was surprised when you mentioned that the other day when we were chatting before you came on the show and um, I was like, man, I actually think you've done a really solid job on there because like you've got a great audience following. So I, I was, I was like, I think you're not giving yourself enough credit on there. So. I, I appreciate that. Well, thanks Josh so much for coming on the show. Thanks for creating uh, merchandise that I actually want to hang on my wall. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for being a part of the community. Um and thanks for coming on Coaster Dads. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for having me. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can we can do it again in the future. And that was our interview with Josh from Made to Thrill. He's a great guy. Hope you enjoyed that interview. All exclusive interview to Coaster Dads. Um, and that's all we have for you uh, this week. So thank you so much for listening. As always, guys, make sure you subscribe and or check out our website. Um, hit us up on any of the social media channels basically connect with us any way possible if you love the podcast um, please let us know and subscribe through any of the various podcasting platforms that we are on and as always we thank you for listening Coaster Dads out Coaster Dads